these weeks on the Jewish calendar are a very auspicious time where we fulfill the mitzvah known as Sfiras HaOmer, counting the Omer cycle. It consists of counting the 49 days between Passover and Shavuos, from the day we got out of Egypt to the day we received the Torah on Mount Sinai. And there's a mitzvah to count every single day of these 49 days. The mitzvah is significant because each day we work on refining a different character trait in order to perfect ourselves and become a little bit more spiritual, a little kinder, a little better, more balanced people by the time we arrive at the holiday of Shavuot so that we're worthy of receiving the Torah. So I want to talk about something unique during this time period, which is really uh, an introduction to Kabbalah. There's a concept in Kabbalah known as the Ten Spheros. And this is a really uh, one of the most foundational ideas in Kabbalah, one of the most novel ideas in Judaism. And it has a very practical ramification on um, this time period in the Jewish calendar. So what's the significance of the number 49? Number 49 is made up of seven times seven. The number seven represents nature in Judaism, completion of the natural world, seven days of the week, seven colors in the rainbow, seven unique notes in a musical scale, seven seas, seven continents. Seven is a, a very powerful number, and I want to share with you a deeper explanation of the number seven. So one of the ideas in uh, theological challenges that Judaism has to deal with is that we believe God is not a man in the sky. We don't believe in a man in the sky. We believe that God is one. What does that mean? That means God is all there is. God is infinite oneness. Infinite oneness. And that's what Judaism teaches. And that's the primary teaching of Kabbalah is that all there is is God. So if that's the case, so then what are we? How do we exist? How does a finite world come from the infinite? And if we're really finite, then that means God's not infinite. Because if there's something that exists outside of God, then God's not truly infinite. So how do we understand our existence? And in order to explain the journey that God took to create the universe, Kabbalah offers the following explanation. That God's infinite oneness can be described as just imagine white light spreading out in all possible directions forever. That's what there was before there was a world. All there was was God. In order for God to create world, which was, so to speak, separate from himself, he had to constrict himself. He had to create space, a vacuum, so to speak, within himself in order to create a world of other that was not part of him. And this is to some degree debated amongst the Kabbalists. But I believe the general consensus is that that constriction was really just an illusion of constriction. Because once again, if there was really a space without God, that would mean God's not infinite. So all there is is God before creation. And all there is is God after creation. But God created an illusion of empty space. 
and in that empty space created other. And that's physical universe, but not only physical universe, also all the spiritual worlds and all the angels. So what is really everything made up of is just God. We're essentially made up of God's thought particles. We exist within God's mind, so to speak. And everything's really made up of the same nature. If you would take, for example, white light and shine it through a prism, you come out with all the colors of the rainbow. On this side of the prism, everything looks like it exists, looks like there are colors, unique identities, trees, plants, cosmos, planets, people. But really, everything is coming from the same source, made up of the same light particles of God's thought waves. So Kabbalah explains that that transition going from God's complete infinite oneness to world required a process. And the first step in that process was creating, so to speak, the mind of God. God had to create a mind because in oneness, there are no parts or pieces. There are no thoughts. God doesn't have a, a mouth. God doesn't think. God doesn't want. God just is. So the very first step in that creation of process of creation, God had to create thoughts and emotions in order for him to now interact with this other. That process, that framework which God created in order to interact with the universe is called the ten spheros, ten emanations. And I want to explain to you what the word sphera means. By understanding that, we're going to come out with a very deep understanding. Then I'll give you a quick overview of what those ten spheros are. So the word sphera, every word in Hebrew has a three-letter root. When you understand the meaning of that three-letter word, you can understand the meaning of all the words that are connected to that root. So we're going to go the opposite direction. I'm going to tell you all the words that share the root, and then we'll try to together figure out the meaning of the root. So the word sphera is related to two, actually to an English word, the word sphere. It means a world. Right, it's a it's a uh, it's a cosmic orb. It's an energy, so definitely related to the word sphere. Uh, additionally, there's another English word related to the word sphere, directly sphera, directly related, and that's the precious stone sapphire. It comes from the Hebrew word evin sapir. The word sapphire is again comes from this Hebrew word samich pei resh, and it has essentially means to shine. The word safer, as we mentioned, the mitzvah of spheris haomer, also means to count. Lisaper, lispor means to count. It also has, means the Hebrew word number. A, a mispar is a number. Also, it's the it's the noun version of that of the verb to count. Additionally, if you were to go and pick up a book in Hebrew, that is called a safer. A safer, the exact same word. And to read it or to speak is lesaper. Lesaper means to speak. Again, the exact same word. And now finally, one more, which throws a wrench in the whole thing. But when we get this last one, it really is the key to understanding what all these words have in common. And that's the word misparayim, which means scissors, or lesaper, which means to get a haircut. Now that is weird. Okay, in Hebrew, a barber is called a saper. What does that have to do with anything? So 
I believe the commonality that all these words have to do with is for something to go outside of itself, to express itself. What is a, a number is an expression of a concept to speak. In order for me to speak or to share something with you, I have these infinite, very deep and profound thoughts and feelings going on inside my mind. And I want to share them with you. How do I take that which is hidden inside my head and bring it out to you? It involves a process of cutting down the idea in putting it into a metaphor. That's called a word. A word is a vessel or a tool in order to share an energy. The energy is my thoughts and my emotions. In order to do that, I have to cut it down to size and put it into bite-sized chunks and pieces of information that I can then pass on to you. So the word safer, sphera, literally means something that's cut down to size in order to express and to share. That's the idea of a sh to shine, the idea of a sapphire, something that shines, goes beyond itself. A book, a word, a number, all expressions of very big ideas, of concepts, of infinite concepts that are now cut down into size, into bite-sized chunks of zeros and ones so that I can actually pass that on to you. In order to share a deep idea with you or with anyone, really, it's, it's really no different than sharing a deep idea with a child. If you want to explain quantum physics to a little kid, you have to take the magnificent, grandiose ideas of quantum physics, abstract ideas, and put them into simple metaphors in order to share that idea. So in order to create a world, God had to constrict himself. He had to take the abstract infinite oneness and put it into finite, finite vessels, limited vessels. We say that the Torah says that God created the world utilizing speech. What that really means is that God took his infinite essence and shared it with others. That's exactly what the process of speech is, taking what's hidden inside my mind and expressing it to you. It often requires me to cut it down. I can't share you everything inside me. That's why they say that art, a picture tells a thousand words, because art can share a whole emotional world in a single image or a whole concept. It's much more powerful than words. But it's essentially the same idea. So, and that's the idea of a metaphor in the Torah is actually referred to as a mushal, as a metaphor, as the original metaphor, before, because the Torah is God expressing his infinite oneness in very finite words, stories, laws. But it's, and yet it's through that, that cutting down to size, it's through that limited expression that we can actually connect to the infinite. So the very first expression of God in this world was through these 10 emanations, these 10 divine attributes, so to speak, that he created in order to connect to us. And so what's the very first thing God had to create in order to begin the process of creating the world? What's the very first step before doing anything, any creative action? What's the very first thing that has to happen within you? And by the way, we are direct manifestation of these 10 elements we have them within ourselves so the very first process of creation is desire to create that's the very first step so the very first thing that god created is something in hebrew called rutzon which is will will to create it's a spark 
of a desire. And we believe that Ratzon in, 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 the, in the spheres is, corresponds to the crown, that which is beyond the head. It's not part of your brain. It's something that comes from without, from beyond. It's a spiritual influx that pours into us. Kabbalah explains that the deepest part of you is your desire. It's something that has no rational explanation. You just want it. On the highest level, if you get to the depth of who you really are, if you get to your core, it's just desire. Desire to exist. Desire for pleasure. Desire to connect. Those are things that are beyond our rational understanding. They come from beyond the mind. That's the symbolism of the crown. After that, after the desire to create a world, the next stage in the process is the three elements of the mind, known in Hebrew by the acronym Chabad. And there's a whole Hasidic group called Chabad, which focuses on this mental process, three steps of the mental process, so to speak, the mind of God. And we also have these three mental processes within ourselves. The first is called Chachma. Chachma represents insight. And often translated as wisdom, but I prefer the, to use the word insight. Chachma is a spark of an idea. After you have desire, and a, a metaphor that's brought by the Kabbalists is the desire to build a house. You have a flash of an idea, I want to build a house. Then comes the Chachma. It's the light bulb above your head, which enters into your head, which is like the big picture vision of what you want. It's the end product in a single flash of insight. And from there, and that corresponds to the right side of the brain. Right brain, creative thinking. Then comes left brain, which is the rational, logical process part of the brain, the cognitive part of the brain. It's known as Bina, understanding or cognition, which is now the mapping out that vision into parts and pieces, breaking it down into the practical application in order to make that real. So. Once you have the insight, the desire, then the insight, that leads to the, the practical uh, cognition of what has to be done. And those two together lead to something called das. Das is um, not really counted as one of the spheres. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Um, it, it, it and Kesser, the, the crown, switch places. Sometimes one is counted, sometimes the other is counted. But das is when the it means knowledge it's when the idea becomes real for you the word in hebrew for das knowledge has to do with intimate connection adam knew eve in the biblical sense it's when it becomes part of you that's when the idea sinks in and actually gives birth to your emotions when you have an idea that's in your head it's very abstract it doesn't really change you but when it goes into your das it becomes part of you into your consciousness into your mindfulness your awareness it now changes you you actually feel something and you have no choice but to then act on those feelings so das give birth to the seven midos seven emotions and these seven emotions are known as the emotions of god when we say that god loves that god has anger that god has any attribute we're really referring to these different emotions these these spiritual um, emanations that God created to express himself. So these seven emotions are as follows. 
chesed, which means giving. That means expansion beyond self. Kavura, strength. Uh, retraction into self. Uh, self-control. Teferis, which is translated as harmony or balance. It is the coming together of the balance between giving and receiving. Netzach, which means dominance. Hod, which means uh, submission. Yesod, which corresponds to um, relationship or connection. And Malchus, which literally means kingship, but it, it the translation is as revelation. And these seven emotions, when they're in balance, lead to action. And that's the idea of Malchus, the revelation of these emotions into action. So this is just an overview of these energies. Each week of the seven weeks of the Sphere Omer cycle between Passover and Shavuos, we work on refining a different one of these energies in correspondence to one of the other energies. So it's literally the seven times seven, 49 permutations of these seven energies. So the first day is chesed of chesed, kindness of kindness. Second day is strength of kindness. Third day is balance of kindness. Then dominance of kindness, submission of kindness, relationship of kindness, and finally expression of kindness. So these are all different. And that's week one. And then week two is strength. And it's all the different permutations of strength and so on and so forth. So the goal of these seven weeks is to learn to refine ourselves. The process is known as tikkun hamidos, which means fixing our character traits. But really another way to look at that is what it really means is aligning our emotions. Are our emotions aligned with our spiritual goals and our values? The goal of Judaism is that we should be unified. That means that our desire our true spiritual desires should align, should be totally worked out intellectually, that it gives birth to emotions. And then our emotions in turn give birth to our actions, that our actions are completely integrally aligned with our values and our goals, that our intellect and our, and our actions through the medium of our emotions is all in perfect alignment. That's really the goal of this, of this, seven weeks is to become all truly imbalanced with ourselves and with our ultimate values in life. So although each of those seven emotions and the intellectual processes, has, there's books and books that can be written on each one and practical applications that we can discuss, but simply put, the question is as follows. Are you clear about what you believe in, what you really want, what your ultimate goals are in life? Have you mapped those out? in detail to figure out how to achieve those goals? And then have you meditated on them so they give birth to your emotions, that you're emotionally aligned with your goals? And then do you are you clear how to achieve those goals through the emotions of love, loving those goals, fear, fearing of losing those goals, learning to give, to put out there for those goals, learning to hold back, learning when not to give. Um, balance are you balanced in that approach in 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 valuing your your individuality while focusing on others 
Do you know how to fight for those values, dominance? Do you know when to fight and do you know when to retreat and when to lay loose and when to submit yourself? And ultimately, do you know how to connect to others? Finally, does it lead to a revelation, to bringing out something into the world that can then inspire others and change the world? So hopefully uh, we can take some of these ideas, at least a little bit, into our life and uh, use them to transform ourselves and the world as we prepare for the receiving of the Torah just one week from, from now.